Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. Just like your family treats you, find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. <laughs> It's Purple Daily. In the backfield, Alexander Madison feeling in motion. They fake the give to Madison. Cousins from the end zone. Is it caught? Yes, and what a catch by Adam Thielen, and what a throw by Kirk Cousins. All right, welcome into Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, former NFL quarterback, Sage Rosenfels, with us every Monday to break down essentially Kirk Cousins' performance and other things. And uh, Sage, let me start out with a little bit of mild breaking news, which is Tom Pelissero reporting that Adam Thielen unlikely to play this Thursday after hurting his hamstring on that Excellent, excellent throw and catch uh, from Cousins to Thielen. Not really a, a big surprise there, right, uh, Sage, that Thielen's not going to play on Thursday more likely than not? No, not a surprise and not the way he, you know, sort of casually, you know, limped off the field a little bit and you could tell there's something. There's something in there, obviously, hamstring or or whatever it is. So, yeah, on a short week, I'd be surprised if he was playing on Sunday, to be honest with you, just based by his reaction of the way he walked off. So, obviously, that, that hurts the Vikings, one of the best players on, on the team. And, uh, you know, B.C. Johnson has to step up. And the nice thing is he has, you know, three-quarters of a game under his belt as basically a starter. And, and I thought, you know, passed with, uh, you know, pretty good flying colors there and, and had a nice performance and helped this team to a victory. So uh, it's not going to help the Vikings, but uh, it's nice that BC got some, some action and, and he's, uh, uh, and he'll be ready to go on, on Thursday night. And it certainly um, makes the performance yesterday even more impressive, the fact that they did it largely aside from that one great throw and catch without Adam Thielen, um, what Kirk Cousins was able to do. Three straight games now, Sage, over 140 quarterback rating. Um, he ranks, Kirk Cousins does second for the most play-action percentage used in the entire NFL. And I tweeted out this morning a uh, gif of... The Grinch doing his smile, being you, watching mm. all of these play actions because you mm. spent the off season, you spent last season talking about get mm. Kirk under center, run these play actions, run the zones, and you tried to convince us all. You said, Gary knows what he's doing with Kirk Cousins. 
And uh, are these last three weeks proof that Gary and Kevin Stefanski know what they're doing with Kirk Cousins? Well, in that classic sort of like new system, and it takes some time, uh, a little bit of you know, more time of playing actually in games instead of like scrimmages or preseason games, which you know, mostly is backups. And it, it's taken a little while, but man, this thing is hitting on all cylinders. And it is all these things that we talked about in the offseason. You know, it's smaller offensive linemen, so they got a center. Uh, who's a guy that can really, he does a great job, uh, in the run game and is now trying to, is learning how to be a better pass protector and it's finally starting to, to be better. But just the combination of the zone running scheme, which is, you know, Dalvin Cook's a fantastic back, but the details of this offensive line are slowly coming together. And then, uh, that the play action and the bootlegs and, and Cousins starting to get that timing with his wide receivers and everyone starts getting those details. I feel like slowly but surely, uh, these guys have worked and gotten better, and, and it is really, really clicking on all cylinders. And we're seeing absolutely the best of Kirk Cousins. But we're also seeing with that is the offensive line playing absolutely fantastic. Uh, hats off to those guys for three straight weeks, but I think the best performance they've had maybe in years. I mean, it was really, really good uh, with that offensive line this past, uh, you know, yesterday on Sunday. And, uh, and you know, Rick Dennison, what he has done, uh, the way they've put some pieces together and the, what, the way those guys have improved. I mean, Kirk is not getting hit very much, and we're, and we're of course, not seeing the bad plays. But we're also seeing Kirk making some plays. I mean, yes. when, when the pocket has broken, Broken down, you know, bad things aren't happening. There either throws it away or good things are happening. I mean, there's some really uh, improvement amongst that those two groups, the offensive line and Kirk Cousins at quarterback, and we're seeing some fantastic uh, Vikings offensive football right now. And finally, in a game where the defense didn't play well, the team got down, and here we go. This offense picked it up and yes. played really good football for four quarters. And there's all types of big plays in the second half where it could have gone either or, and, and Kirk made a great throw, or there was a great uh, block by somebody, or offensive line did a good job, or, or on the touchdown to, to Kyle Rudolph, he does a fantastic job of rubbing his guy uh, into his own defender and becoming wide open versus man coverage in a route that's usually bad versus man. I mean, there was a whole bunch of good in the second half of this ball game. And uh, it's going to be fun to discuss. Okay, so I, I want to start out on my end, my reaction of just giving a, just a, t- a tiny little rant, just a, just tiny. Give me a second here, Sage. So every time Kirk Cousins plays really well for a stretch, we get ha proven the critics wrong. And every time he doesn't play well in a game, it's Kirk Cousins is the worst quarterback in the entire world, and we should put him in a rocket ship and we should shoot him to the sun. And those, wait, 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 what is that from? This is uh, a movie or something like it? that. Maybe I, I thought I made it up, but maybe it is from a movie. But uh, George Carlin once said we should push someone in, inside of a portable toilet and light them on fire. I thought that was a little aggressive. Hmm, but anyway, interesting. so uh, and last year was a disappointment for Kirk Cousins. He didn't play well enough. He had chances to put them in the playoffs, and he didn't show up in important games. Like that's a fact that happened throughout his career. He has had high highs and low lows. And every quarterback has this spectrum of possible outcomes based on their talent, right? And the circumstances will decide whether you are in the red, yellow, orange, or green, right? Depending on what you have around you. And with Kirk Cousins in 2016, Pro Football Focus gave him an 80.6 grade for that year. He threw for near 5,000 yards. He has Sean McVay. He's got Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Garçon, two great tight ends, a all-time great left tackle, Trent Williams, Hall of Famer probably. And he's really, really good. And then the next two years, his teams had deficiencies, and he's not as good. 
And this year, the line is playing better, like you mentioned. The weapons have been increased tenfold with Irv Smith and B.C. Johnson. Last year, Laquan Treadwell is playing half the snaps. And he's barely an NFL wide receiver, and he's playing half the snaps out there in a system that didn't really work for him. So all of this is, this isn't Kirk playing with a bigger chip on his shoulder, I don't think. I don't think Kirk is any different. I think he's the exact same guy, and he's played against some defenses that are really, really bad, and that's helped a lot, too, and he's put up great numbers, and he's done his job exactly from the level of talent. His talent hasn't changed. I think it's the circumstances have changed, and we laid out a bunch of ways last year how... He could be better, and it seems like Kevin Stefanski may have been listening to the podcast because they've you know, checked off a lot of those boxes. So it frustrates me that every week has to be some referendum on Kirk Cousins as a quarterback, and it seems to swing back and forth when really like this is him, and they've done a great job of putting the things around him to maximize his skill. Yeah, so like a lot of quarterbacks, you're only really as good as the players around you. And with Kirk, that's definitely the case. And when he, when the pieces around him are working well and they're coached well and they're playing well uh, and there's all this detail there, he does a great job executing within that. When they don't have good players, say, at offensive line, or it's a bad scheme in front of them, or it's a coach that's in shotgun continually, that, that Kirk Cousins doesn't play well in those situations. And when the team around him is good, he can look really, really good, and I think those guys. The, really, what's around, what's really changed is everything around him, and I think it's it's probably some of the best coaching he's ever had. I think it's some of the best coaching this offensive line has had uh, in a long time. And he's got a great running back. He's got two All Pro wide receivers. He's got a young tight end who is looking better and better by the week, both in the running game and the throwing game, and it's all sort of working. And when when, when Kirk has time. I put him as a top five, uh, you know, uh, what I would call like a seven-on-seven quarterback. You know, when you do seven-on-seven, Kirk can be up there with the best of them if there was some sort of tournament. But but it's not real football, right? Because why? Because there's, there is pressure and there is those things. So Kirk doesn't yeah. do well when all these other things occur, right? But in this game, one, uh, the, the offensive line isn't giving the defense many opportunities to, to, uh, to get to him, and they're doing a great job. But when the few, time, few times it did happen, Kirk has – done something uh, where he has become a little bit of a playmaker. Uh, and I said sometimes it's throwing the ball away, but he made a couple plays too. And uh, I don't know if he's becoming more confident or what, but he is making some really, really good throws. He's not being foolish with the football. He's making good decisions, and he's seeing the field extremely well. And uh, and he's making throws that didn't, didn't seem like he was making earlier this year and some of those bad losses and, and throws that he definitely didn't even make last year. So uh, it's all just sort of coming together, and Kirk is playing well and the, said that the offensive line is playing well but he's got great players around him. I mean, Dalvin Cook, uh, he also has the running game. I mean, that thing is last year. We didn't see the best of Kirk Cousins because the running game was abysmal. They were yep. like, I think they're into the season 31st in the league or something like that. Yep. Now they're up in you know top three like in every single possible rushing category. And Dalvin Cook, another 5.7 yards per carry. And and they said, you know, the, we're seeing all the good stuff. Stephon, we talked about in the offseason, Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen are going to have higher yards per catch this year because of this play-action thing. Wow, Stephon Diggs, 20.3 yards per catch yesterday, right? And Thielen, uh, one catch for 25. I mean, we're seeing these numbers that we haven't seen because it's this is a style of defense that really, really fits the players that they have, but also fits the quarterback that they have, and, and they're, they're executing at a really high level right now. Now, the big conversation, though, is whether you can take these wins and transfer them over against better teams and how much this really means. I'm going to give you a stat here, Sage. 
In terms of expected points added against the pass, here's how their uh, opponents have done that they've beaten so far this year. Here's where they rank. 32nd, 30th, 26th, 24th, 22nd. <laughs> um, that's not in order, but that's like they're all bottom third or the worst in the NFL against the pass. The teams that Kirk Cousins has lit up, the, the teams where they've been an efficient passing game, and you wouldn't be surprised that you know, Chicago and Green Bay are much higher on the list. When, when than... you get a chance, by the way, I'd love to check out the run. Because the way this offensive line, that is the biggest difference. I think not only the commitment to the run, but the way these guys have continually ran the ball fairly well. Remember, was it last week versus Philly? They were giving up like 63 yards a game, and Vikes ran for about 122, I think. So I think that stat more than the the passing yard come from, Truly, we're in a situation where the run is setting up the pass. That's without a doubt, and, uh, and and we're definitely seeing that the run is the run to Dalvin Cook is setting up the fullback for crying out loud because the defense <laughs> then had to make yes. a decision between a fullback on a third and one yes. or Dalvin Cook uh, who is for the pitch on a third and one, and there's a ten yard gain there. So it all it all comes down to I think the Dalvin Cook in this running game that starts the whole thing off, and if the Vikings struggle against teams down the stretch there, then we're talking about can. Can uh, the can the quarterback and the offensive line still produce enough yards? Still producing that you know 400 yard level more through the air than on the ground. We'll, we'll have to see. Well, they haven't played any really good run defenses either, aside from Philadelphia, and uh, they ran okay against Philadelphia, but only 3.5 yards per carry. But of course, they were playing backup corners who forgot how to play football, and uh, that was problematic. But even teams like Detroit, Detroit is. 28th in expected points added against the run on defense. So they're horrendous, and it's not surprising that the Vikings had a huge day against them. And when you look at the teams that they beat, there isn't a single good defense that you can point to. So the question is not... I mean, I don't expect Kirk Cousins to play good defenses and have 140 quarterback rating. It's what percentage of this can carry over when they go to Dallas and play a team with a lot of talent that will be able to pressure the quarterback. I mean, Detroit, that is a that is a really good question, and uh, I I completely agree with you. I think you know you don't want to look at it from a pessimist view and this you know view of like okay, every time the Vikings win, everything has to be great, and everything everything every time the Vikings lose, everything has to be terrible. Sometimes you, know, you remember a couple of years ago when they lost to the Steelers uh, and Case Keenan was a quarterback, but he actually played pretty well. I'm like you know. Uh, it's not bad for uh, for a backup quarterback to come in and, and play well at Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. right? And they lost the game, so like you can take the positives out of that. And I think what you're seeing is, uh, you know, we have to be careful on how positive we are based off the fact that they haven't defensively played anybody great yet. Yeah, they, and, and trying to contextualize what it all means. I mean, I, I think if you play against, and against the great teams, they didn't play well. Right, Green Bay and Chicago. Exactly, the good defenses, they, they did not play well at all in those games, and Cousins against the teams that can pressure the quarterback was pressured, and it threw them off, and that's going to continue to be the question. Even after Chicago had a tough day yesterday against Teddy Bridgewater, <clears throat> Uh, we'll turbo snark about that later. Uh, you can't. I, like, we can't get too snarky about the Teddy thing. I, I think everyone understood. Like, what do you do with a guy who's going to? No, no, no. It's it's a, not, it's know. not that. It's about the people who are like, you only threw fourteen touchdowns. He's not a good quarterback. Like, okay, All right. he wins, man. He yeah. wins. Sean, I will say Sean he's Payton. a winner. Yeah, Sean Payton seems to think he's pretty good. But yeah, anyway, he he finds ways to win games. It doesn't always have to be thrown for three fifty. I'll uh, tell you that. Green Bay and Chicago in passing defense are fifth and sixth in expected points added. So they're very good, and they were very good against the Vikings passing game, and those were the two games they lost. And so Dallas is a little farther down the list, but I think that they're going to be a better challenge 
for the Vikings here than someone like Washington, which is another horrendous defense. They're 28th. Uh, so this is another game where they should be able to steamroll and continue to look good. It's just how do the successful things that they're doing now transfer to those important games? Because I think we set the standard. Well, I think there's a couple, I think there's a couple games down the road. Obviously, they have Green Bay and Chicago again, but we'll see Dallas, who's got all types of athletes on yep. defense. And, you know, Van Der Esch, their, their star linebacker, got hurt with a neck injury last night. And it doesn't seem like it's season ender or anything like that, but they've got them. They've got the Seahawks, who play good, play good defense. The Broncos do play good defense, despite yeah. the fact that they're not winning very many games. For the most part, their defense has been pretty good. They have not gotten any pressure, though. They had a crazy deal where, like, three or four games in the year, they had, like, two quarterback pressures. <laughs> it was something like no sacks. Yeah, that's bad. It was, it was, it was incredible. Um, and I uh, said, so, you know, Green Bay and Chicago to to end the season. They're going to see some good defenses, um, and and we'll have to see how they hold up against the better teams the second time around. And I've always thought in this style of offense, when I was in it uh, in, uh, in in Houston with Gary Kubiak, it, it did seem like as the year progressed, our offense got better, and we started clicking a little bit more. And guys, the new guys, the rookies, the the free agents that came in, we're starting the, the coaching was all starting to pick up, and we were seeing all the different looks, and we. And and, you know, it's like the second time around we had seen this look before, and this is what happened last time. And guys played better; uh, the detail was better. And I'm—I feel like I've seen that already the last couple of games. Again, against not as good a competition, but I've seen better attention to detail by from the quarterback to the offensive line to the receivers. Uh, uh, you know, as the season has progressed, we'll see if they do against top-notch defenses down the line. And, and I don't think you can throw these games out. Is kind of what one of the points I wanted to make is that there. Are are some people who are saying, "Well, who cares? These defenses are bad. Throw it out." But when you this is the NFL. I will say, like this is the NFL. Like there's a lot of great players out there. You know what I mean? So yeah, there's you know it's even the 32nd ranked defense. Like they've got probably a Pro Bowler over there, and they've got guys that are first round draft picks, and they're great athletes, and you know they can wreck a game. It's you know it's so it's it you can't you get I can't be too. I guess this may as the former player coming out at me, but like just because you're doing something against the 26th the rank whatever doesn't mean you still have to get it done. And uh, and, and the Vikings have have been getting it done lately. Well, and if it was just a bunch of checkdowns or something, then you might say, well, you know, the defense won them a game or what. But it, it wasn't that these these games. This was the offense and the passing game winning them the game uh, in each of the last three weeks. And Kirk Cousins making a number of. Just a number of throws. fantastic throws. I mean, the a one, number the of one really good, a number of really good throws, and the one to Thielen was, I would say, minimum third, if not his, the fourth guy in that progression. Uh, when, when you're booting to your left, he's the backside post, and usually you look for the over route. You got to come back uh, out in front of you, maybe somebody in the flat, and that fourth guy is that backside post. So what he saw is he saw when he booted to his left, he saw the tight end uh, or, or maybe the inside. I think it was a tight end get picked up by the free safety and that free safety jumped him and then here comes Thielen, uh you know behind and, and a great throw that's an off balance he flipped his hips made an, uh, a very very good uh, accurate throw on the run I mean it, it was an Aaron Rodgers type of throw and obviously didn't look as pretty as the way Aaron Rodgers or like a Pat Mahomes does it or something or Russell Wilson but it was still extremely effective and and he did that a couple times in this ball game made some really really nice throws on the move in particular to his left football <laughs> 
Once we get into flipping the hips, that's when it comes out. That's when it's called holy football. Um, all right, Sage, let's take a break. We'll come back, and we do have to talk about giving up 30 points on the road. And I got a good question from someone on Twitter, and I don't really know the answer to this, about Zimmer's defenses on the road and how a lot of times over the last couple of years they just haven't looked the same. And uh, I want to ask your opinion on why that might be, because it was not a good performance by the secondary yesterday. So let's discuss when we come back. Matthew Collar, former NFL quarterback Sage Rosenfels, here on Purple Daily. North Memorial Health has over 400 care providers. That's right, more than 400 care providers and more than 6,000 team members that are dedicated to keeping you healthy. North Memorial Health is proud to partner with the Minnesota Vikings as they work to make Minnesota the healthiest in the league. They're more than a team at North Memorial Health. They're your family. At North Memorial Health, customers are treated like family. Your health family is more than a tagline. It's a commitment to delivering unmatched customer service. That means a big smile when you walk in the door. That means making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It means asking, what else can we do for you? North Memorial Health will treat you like family in a good way. The people at North Memorial Health will team up with you to help you achieve your best health. So step up your health care game today and find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. Once again, that's northmemorial.com slash family. Cook lined up behind the fullback. C.J. Ham On the toss, it's Cook. He's in. Touchdown. C.J. Ham played 39 snaps. I don't know about you, Sage, but when a fullback plays more than half the game, I get a little emotional. Just love them fullbacks. You know, I was uh, at the Iowa-Iowa State game earlier this year in uh, high school. One of my brother's friends sat next to me at the game. He said, you know, we were the only high school in the state that featured the fullback. <laughs> You ran that. Uh, Good. That's my the, favorite the high school offense. Yeah, you put in the fullback the belly fullback. and you ride the fullback, as they say, and you make the defensive end make a decision, and you get just get that little advantage as an offense where you don't have to block somebody. And it, and it worked yesterday uh, where they put the defensive end in a tough spot where does he take the fullback or does he take the pitch to Dalvin Cook that could go for 40, and he, he hesitated, and and uh, the fullback went for 10. So, uh, yeah, the, the fullback has been a game changer, and again, I don't want to go back to your Grinch of I told you so from last year, but we talked about, I, I, I believe you asked me in our podcast, what would when Kevin Stefanski got the job, you said, what would you do if you're Kevin Stefanski, first thing you do? I said, I'd go walk up to the fullback, Ham, in the locker room and say, you better strap it up these next th- uh, three weeks because you are going to be uh, a sledgehammer. And uh, and, and they, did, they did play that style of football. And now this year, obviously, Ham's getting a lot of action in the Vikings. And it's, it's definitely helping the Vikings offense. It's helping the quarterback. The fullback is helping the quarterback play his best football. I just couldn't have dreamed it anymore to my football sensibilities to have a fullback named Ham being featured in the offense. It's just perfect. It's a, it's a fullback named Ham, and in Nebraska, I have a con- local congressman named Don Bacon. Like, it's just perfect for, for where I live, I guess. You know, it just sort of fits like a glove. So, uh, yeah, Ham is a fullback. Is a, and he's, you know, he's not a huge guy. He doesn't, uh, he's not a guy that's like six, you know, two or whatever, and a huge fullback. He is sort of a, uh, uh, a Ham out there, and, and, he's, and, he's, and, he, and he's playing pretty sweet lately. But, you know, it's real. Wow. That's <laughs> excellent. That's excellent. Um, you know, smooth as honey on that handoff, I you would know. say. 
Um, okay. Anyway, well, now here's the thing though that I love about using CJ Ham. Aside from just like it takes me back to 1994, and I feel like Sam Gash is somewhere weeping with joy. Um, but the other thing is that teams do not prepare for fullbacks. I was looking up in the NFL this year how many fullbacks have actually like played football, and of course, you know, there's Kyle Uzcheck who plays a lot for San Francisco and really shouldn't be considered a fullback. He's kind of a hybrid tight end or something like that. C.J. Ham leads the NFL in snaps by fullbacks. He has 109. The next highest outside of Kyle Juszczyk, who's hurt, is Alec Ingold for Which Oakland. Which plays for San Francisco, correct? Yeah, he does. And okay. that's you know, Kyle Shanahan and the okay. Shanahan Similar offense. offense. Okay. The, but the next highest has almost half, which is Alec Ingold from Oakland, and then our old friend Zach Line, who is 58. And those are the only guys with even more than 50 snaps this year, and C.J. Ham has 109. I think if you're a defense in 2019, you're like... The hell is that guy doing on the field so much? Well, there's a, there's a couple of things I think we should take into consideration, and um, you know we we talk about this play action game. Now, imagine being like the will linebacker, and you got this gap in front of you. It's basically it's between the guard and the tackle, and that's your spot. And when at the snap, those guys are coming off pretty hard, and this fullback number thirty is coming at you, and you ha- your job is to meet him in the hole. And you can't tell, you can't wait for the, the handoff to happen, whether it does or it doesn't. So your job is to meet him in the hole on the other side of the line of scrimmage. So that linebacker is going to step up with all he's got and try to blow up the running back. That opens up huge lanes in the passing game behind it. So, you know, and, and not only that is teams have so much have gone to these sort of spread, you know, some teams have gone to sort of more of a spread offense and the game is more lateral, like the Chicago Bears. So I think some teams have drafted a little bit smaller uh, linebackers. That aren't two fifty five anymore, yep. or two sixty, yep. or even two fifty. They're they're two thirty five, two forty, and they they just don't have that weight to to be able to take on those types of hits, and and you're getting some push there. So that uh, they're they're huge in the running game, but they really do it. That's that play action. The fullback, it's different. A fullback coming at you than a guard coming at you. It's just different. And the guards can't go downfield. The fullbacks can. That's the thing. If the fullbacks can be two or three yards downfield and blow up the will linebacker or a Sam linebacker and some sort. The guards can't do that. Or the tackles can't do that because they're now illegal man downfield. Right. So they're right. a vital weapon for the running game and, and what mixes with the play action. And, and obviously his his value uh, is, should not be uh, you know uh, not not talked about. I'm, I'm glad you're bringing it up because the Vikings don't feature the fullback, but he is vital in this offense. We're going to start a podcast separately called Feature the Fullback, where we only talk about fullbacks. Um, you know, it would it would it would probably be a riot. Like they have like its own full the, for the brand. It's sort of like. Uh, like with what the punters and the kickers yes, got going on. Yes, you know exactly. I mean? so. Although we kind of already have ours with uh, the journeyman quarterback, which I was going to mention. Then we'll get to the defense. Matt Moore, you know what his record is for his career? Did I tell you this already? It's it's probably close to five hundred. Fifteen I feel like I and fifteen. Yeah, I <laughs> saw it the time. other day when when he was playing when you know when when uh, Mahomes got hurt in Kansas City. And it's funny thing is, you know, I live in Omaha, so occasionally I get down to the College World Series, and somehow I think Matt Moore. I think we we fought, I I played with him for two weeks in Miami, and, uh, every, and he was coming to town time. because. Yeah, right. Oregon State. I call that that's that's called a cup of coffee in yes, my world. Yes, uh, I had a cup of coffee. Uh, Miami, a second stint cup of coffee. <laughs> How about that? Um, and uh, so Matt was in town for the College World Series, and and he had basically retired. It was a, it was June, late June, and uh, we went out for a beer and went went, went and watched the game or whatever. And and uh, you know what, what what was he gonna do with the rest of his life? But he was doing some stuff with Oregon State with the university, and he was like, yeah, I'm retired. 
Next thing you know, he gets signed back. And now he's back there playing for the Kansas City Chiefs, who are definitely going to have a chance in the, the AFC. And, and uh, he just has to hold down the fort. This is that situation. Yeah. You're not paying your backup quarterback to win the Super Bowl. You're paying him to hold down the fort, hopefully go 500 until the real starter comes back and leads your team to the Super Bowl. Uh, this definitely adds to the Matt at some point down the line, maybe for the Vikings coming up here in a couple yeah. of weeks. We'll, yeah. we'll talk. We'll, we'll get into the Matt Moore, uh, Matt Moore story. This, I was going to say, his the journeyman quarterback of the week, I think, for KC is going to be playing, which is going to be yeah. uh, maybe a first Fantastic. For yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, speaking of that, by the way, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, oh, one, yeah. of, the, one of the greats. Magic, man. What a run yesterday. And you, you got to go out and see this highlight yesterday. What a run he, from about 15 yards out. Sticks his head down right at the end zone. Runs over, you could say runs over a corner and, and scores a touchdown. I don't even know who won that game. I don't, I don't know anything about that game, but I saw that it highlight this morning. It wasn't the Dolphins. And just adds more to the legend of uh, the bearded Harvard quarterback. Uh, I, I remember quite well that Ryan Fitzpatrick hates to slide. And Chan Gailey used to be like, you have to slide, man. And Fitzpatrick was like, no, I'm going to put my head down. Harvard men don't slide. You know what I mean? He Harvard started a fight slide. once with Brandon Spikes. Remember that guy? Like this, this just big linebacker, the one that you were describing that don't exist anymore? So, by the way, my favorite... Him. Speaking of that, my favorite moment, I think, of the entire Vikings game, and there was a lot of great plays in this game, and I'm not sure if we have time, but I'd love to go through basically the second half on these key plays and things that happen in the ball game. Uh, I've got all these, I've got four pages of notes just on the second half of this game. I saw so many good things. Um, and, but, but the end of the game, during the kneel downs, you know, the Vikings are up by what, 11 there at the end? Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, or 12? Um, and 12, they're, yeah. they're kneeling it down. The game is over, and the Lions are, firing off on the first two like it's you know it's like a one point you know game and and cousins my favorite part of the game was cousins got into it with like a linebacker he was sort of talking trash and every people were pushing and shoveling and i loved that that was the, we, we get that was a little bit of the uh, i wish that he was mic'd up for that and maybe he was but i love how he sort of got into it and showed some fire i bet his teammates appreciate that because i thought it was a bunch of bs that detroit would do that you know i get it when it's within a score uh, and it's, a, it's still a game, you know. A, if you want to fire off, go ahead. Right, they could uh, but if but we could, could we could fumble. Uh, but if we're up by two scores and there's 30 seconds left or whatever, give me a break. Uh, you're just being ridiculous. And if you want to, we'll fire off at your knees and take you guys out because it's you know it's just sort of a ridiculous thing. You're up by two scores, and I thought that was a sort of a uh, a little bit of a classless move by a couple of those. I, mean, I think a lot of the Detroit defensive line yesterday. The uh, demeanor of Cousins is notable, I think. Now, he is the same guy that came off the field once as a Washington, D.C. quarterback and said, you like that, screamed it in a reporter's face, which I did a story once with the reporter who he yelled at, um, who actually really got along quite well with Kirk Cousins. But it was a similar scenario where Cousins had started the season poorly in 2004 15 and there was conversation about benching him and he basically was saying kind of take that like to all the people who were saying he should be benched so this isn't anything new he does have that fire in him it's just that it seems to disappear in certain situations well he's got to get that fire when they play you know the kansas city chiefs nice. and that confidence and that chip on right. the shoulder you know that swag whatever you want to call that i mean he needs that i mean i don't i don't i don't think it's i hate the word when people say I, they play angry i don't think it's angry it's it's fire it's competitive spirit uh it's it's 
walking. You know, my son just was, was in the state uh, tennis tournament in Nebraska, and they lost to a team that the, the one of the players for the other team was, I guess, a really good high school baseball player. But he walked around that, that court with a sense of urgency. He couldn't wait to get to the next play. You could just see the energy that he had, and it was sort of infectious in his teammate who was a quieter kid. Kirk doesn't always do that. You see Drew Brees do that. Mm-hmm. You see him sort of, you know, you see some of these guys walk around, or some guys, it's, they're not with that type of energy, but there's sort of a confidence there that we're going to get this thing done. And I feel like Kirk is sort of, you know, giving off that energy. Uh, the last few games I saw, the most I ever saw of it was yesterday. I did not see that last year. It was different. I, I'm seeing a different Kirk Cousins than I saw last year. I truly am. I uh, also wanted to point out to you, since you are a big Drew Brees guy, that, um, Yesterday, it was really cool. Breeze was on the sideline, and one of the receivers ran a route that wasn't quite right. I saw that. Yep. You could see it on Bridgewater's face, like, ah, you were supposed to cut it short or something else like that. And Breeze brought the guy over and kind of got in his face a little bit and explained exactly what went wrong there. Yep. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that that won't happen again for that receiver. But I, I just thought that was a great example of Breeze being out but being engaged in the game and still bringing that kind of intensity the same way Bridgewater did for Casey. Keenum to help out the starting quarterback even when you're sidelined. Absolutely, and and I promise you Drew would have done the same thing if he was on IR and out for the year. Mm -hmm. He would have been the same way. And uh, and that's that you know again that that sort of uh, that uh, that you know super focused he's all in in the game and he was on the sidelines and he was totally into the game and you saw this I mean you saw that look on the face you saw the energy you saw all that stuff uh, and sometimes you see on the sidelines the backup quarterback or the guy maybe it's a starter who's not playing you know they're Ben Roethlisberger they're standing they have the headphones on but I don't see that and yeah. he, he was so into the game you know stand there in, sh- in shorts and a t-shirt or whatever he was yesterday and I saw that play receiver. Teddy threw the ball behind the receiver and and look and Teddy sort of gave this look of like looks like the guy ran the wrong route a little bit and and Breeze went right up to the player yeah that was number eighty I can't remember maybe a younger guy and and it didn't get in his face but was like what do you got on that and you could tell the guy didn't give the right answer and and Drew set him straight it was a, a fan I think a fantastic moment and showed a lot about you know we, we've seen Drew Breeze play for almost twenty years now on the field but to see him not as a, as, as a player and to see that type of involvement in his in that organization uh, that's where people don't understand those little differences that it that I always said that Drew Brees has as much as anybody in the NFL he and Tom Brady have this magical it that is just infectious within an organization so you said uh, to, to go back to the Vikings game that you wanted to talk about a few other plays that you had there in Sage's notebook so yeah Sage's what, little Sage's notes what else you got well, you know, the first half, obviously, you know, both teams scoring touchdowns, 21-21 at halftime, and, you know, the Vikings get, get the ball, uh, um, um, in the, uh, you know, third quarter, and there was just some, some interesting plays here. You know, the, the, the boot left, it ended up with a boot left to Hamma for a five-yard touchdown, again, featuring the fullback, uh, but there was a draw to, to Dalvin Cook. The Vikings don't run a ton of draws, and he bounces it outside, goes for about 15 yards, um, but there was a big play earlier in that drive that you might not think much about. There was a holding uh, um, on the offense, on, on Co- uh, Coughlin, the tight end, and it was declined to create a third and 10. That could have been second 20. The, the, the Lions go man-to-man coverage, and they hit digs on the shallow for a first down. So it could have been second 20, probably going to end up being a punt, ends up being a first down. That ends with a touchdown for the Vikings. They take advantage of that, That what I think is probably a bad call. I think I'd take the second 20 over the third and 10. So you know, the, it goes now it's 28-21. 
the Harrison makes a nice play on a tackle on Jones all by himself in the open field by Marvin Jones, very good wide receiver. Yes. That that yes. creates a punt. Uh, where the, the Vikings again have the ball. Cousins actually misses a play action to BC on, on a dagger. Takes an extra hitch. The ball is behind him. Perfect pass protection. He didn't play a perfect ball game. He missed a couple throws. And he actually uh, he missed BC on the very next play to, to create a punt. Um, and then there's the high corner throw, the deep high corner throw on Anthony Harris. I can't say much that you know Anthony probably could have gone for the ball and may have broken that up, but that was an absolutely fantastic play and, and design uh, and play by Matt Stafford and designed by by Daryl Bevel to hit that one. So that was that was a great throw that ends up going to a field goal because of a nice play by Eric Wilson on a breakup on third down. Uh, so now the Vikings are up twenty eight twenty four. So the, the Vikings did great all day. Second longs. They have a second long yeah. here on this next yeah. drive. They hit BC, not for a first down, but for 10 yards. Creates that third and one for Ham, right? But there was a lot of second longs where they ran the ball, and they'd get seven, eight, or nine yards. Completely changes. Again, a lot of teams don't like to run the ball on second down. The Vikings did it three or four times yesterday, and it seemed like they got seven or eights on all those. Those are huge plays by the offensive line uh, in that running game. So that, that ends up, though, with a, with a Bailey missed field goal, still 28-24. Um, then there's a really big play that was a first down as Detroit's moving the football. There's an offensive pass interference on, I believe, their tight end, Logan Thomas. And he just runs right yes, over Barr. Yes. And, and it was about 12 or 10 or 12 yard gain for a first down. That turns into now backed up. Everson gets a sack. They hit a long completion, fourth and one. Vikings do a great job on that roll left uh, of knocking that thing down. I'm not sure if it was Kendricks, but Kendricks, uh, they knock yeah. it down. So it they, the Vikings get the ball back up 28, tw- uh, uh, and then they next. The next drive is all the way down to score a touchdown. And there was a couple. The first play on that drive was a boot left, and Cousins makes a great throw to Diggs. Again, a throw. He's fighting a, a fit into a small window. Really, really nice throw there. Another bootleg play, get him out of the pocket. Uh, a nice job on that. They, uh, on uh, later on that drive, there's a third and one. And that was a drop. That was after the ham play, where again they fake sort of a, a jet sweep slash fullback play, toss it to Cook, who's one on one with the defensive end, and there's absolutely no chance. Ends up being a twenty three yeah. yard run, right? So. That is, you want to talk about complementary football or designing things that look the same, but like take advantage of somebody? Do you think you know uh, uh, um, Dalvin Cook is going to get run down by a linebacker or defensive end? You <laughs> get him in space. Great job by Stefanski uh, or and and or whoever designed that play. But later on that drive, they go on a bunch set to the left. Ends up being a touchdown. This is the old X X Thunder with spacing turned into a fade. Kirk didn't like it, and and Kyle Rudolph got himself open. It was a bunch set, and you ever see, ever hear that in man-to-man coverage for defenses to never be on the same level because you can get picked. And Kyle actually sees the uh, a linebacker who's playing the inside guy in the bunch. Kyle's at the point, who's the guy in the line of scrimmage, and he's got a guy right over his head. And you could tell he probably heard the call where everyone's sort of matching up of who they have. He actually runs left and creates a situation because the linebacker who was guarding the, the guy who's the first guy in the bunch set he and the guy on top of him were right next to each other. And he actually creates those guys to pick each other, ends up being open over the ball, and ends up scoring a touchdown. That was a huge – that was like one of those crafty plays that Irv Smith is in like 10 years is going to have learned that and, and get himself open for a touchdown. These are, this is why it's nice to have – these great veterans. Uh, you know, later on, there's the back shoulder again. Rhodes gets beat for the fourth touchdown uh, by by uh, uh, um, 
uh, by, by Mar- Marvin Jones. So now it's 35-30, and there's three minutes left in the game. And this is what I really want to talk about. The Vikings made clutch plays all day long, but nothing more clutch than this, is they go three tight ends uh, and, and, and Dalvin Cook and one wide receiver, and the Detroit Lions have to get the ball back. And they do all-out play action, nine men blocking, one guy out. Cover zero, no safety back there, and Cousins throws a perfect ball. Great pass protection. Detroit completely sell out for the run, and no one's going to guard Stephon Diggs over the entire field, which is his straight speed. And he outran the DB, and it was really sort of the, the end of the game. It ended up being a, a cook touchdown that truly put it out of, out of reach. But that play, uh, the design, uh, the willingness to call it to sort of put the game in the quarterback's hands uh, because you do have an advantage at wide receiver, and you get nine-man protection selling out. It was, it was perfectly called. I'm sure they knew they were going to get cover zero because Detroit had to sell out to stop the run there. And, uh, and, and absolutely fantastic play by Cousins, by the offensive line, by the tight ends, uh, and obviously by Stephon Diggs, uh, you know, uh, catching that thing and, and making some run after catch. I just thought football. Extreme football there in Sage's notebook. I just thought that play was the evidence that everybody was feeling it. Um, and I don't, I don't know if you had this feeling yesterday, Sage, or not, but I did of when Pat Shermer was on fire in 2017, and it just seemed like every button he pushed was the exact right one, and it all worked. Um, that was my feeling yesterday, and that play was that sort of evidence of, you know what, let's take a shot here. Let's just go for it. Everything we're doing is working. We're, we're picking the exact right times for these plays, these route combinations, the play actions, and everything else. Like, dial it up and go for it. And Stefan Diggs, throw it deep. Now, there's another concept that we talked about quite a bit, right? Throw it yeah. down the field to Stefan Diggs. He'll 20 yards play. to catch. Yep. 20 yards to catch. 10 yards per catch last year. Yeah. All right. I mean, he is. The thing about Diggs, screens. which is interesting, is a lot of times you see receivers when they run routes, whether it's like a deep post or maybe a high corner, when they get to a certain spot in the route, they what they call a stick it, which is this, they sort of stick their foot in the ground and they create like an angle. And he just runs. He doesn't usually do that. When he's running a post, it's very slight, and he just straight you know, says, I'm going to outrun you. Uh, and, and he does. And he does just outrun, and he gets separation from the DBs. So, you know, talk about a guy that's it's amazing how much he was overlooked by everybody, shoot, including the Vikings at the combine, or else he would have been, you know, higher uh, drafted. But we, we talked about his yards per completion going up in this past offseason in this style of offense, and sure enough, it most definitely has. Yep, and it shows you how much the uh, scheme impacts numbers like that. For sure. Um, let's take a break. We'll come back. And I, and I, I want to get to the defense because I, I want to hear what you think about the coverage yesterday. Was it something the Vikings were doing? Was it a, another really good quarterback having a really good day and good wide receivers? Should there be some concern that the offense is figuring it out now, but the defense is showing some sign of weakness? We'll discuss when we return. Matthew Collar, Sage Rosenfels here on Purple Daily. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. 
Jonathan here with the Score North download for this hour, brought to you by the 2020 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show. Score North has already run contests for up to $50,000 in cash, and we're regularly giving away tickets to local games, gift cards to local restaurants, and much, much more. But in order to reap these rewards, you must have the Score North app available for free in the Apple or Google Play stores right now. Uh, after his 25-yard touchdown catch, Adam Thielen went out for the rest of the day. Tom Pelissero reporting an MRI showed Vikings wide receiver Adam Thielen's pulled hamstring isn't serious. He's unlikely to play Thursday against Washington. Here's what Kirk Cousins said about playing without Adam Thielen. You know, Diggsy stepping up, Holabisi Johnson, Irv Smith, Kyle Rudolph did a great job. Uh, even Tyler Conklin, you know, we really called on him quite a bit in protection. You know, when you run the football well, it also takes pressure off of that loss. And, uh, you know, Treddy stepped up, did a great job getting lined up in some unique formations and uh, proud of the way those guys responded and, and showed up. Vikings fans, what is your optimism regarding the Vikings offense without Adam Thielen? Let us know over at Score North on Twitter, at SKOR North on Twitter. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. One more segment here with Sage Rosenfels. Judd Zilgad comes in next here on Purple Daily. All right, Sage, let's talk about the defense a little bit here. Um, you and I had discussed Xavier Rhodes' issues, but it wasn't just him yesterday. It was everyone. Trey Waynes got lit up. Uh, Pro Football Focus had it 6-for-8 when throwing into Trey Waynes' coverage. And yep. the interception that he gets at the end is the most sort of eye roll worthy like oh okay he gets credit for an interception in this game uh even though he did not play well at all do we think that this was more matt stafford daryl bevel having a good day uh marvin jones being really good at football or is it concerning that the vikings on the road have not played the same level of defense as we expect from them yeah that's a good question i I will say this but playing at home for Vikings defenses for years. I mean, during that stretch when I was there, the home field advantage we had, I think, was like nothing of any place I'd been before. Definitely not like Miami, definitely not like D.C. Uh, Houston was a pretty dang good home field advantage. Our crowd got really loud, but that Metrodome crowd, which has then carried over into U.S. Bank Stadium, is a huge advantage. So, yeah, the defense, if it's the, the numbers are there, which I'm sure they are, that they're not as good on the road, well, that makes sense. I, I think when you have that big of an advantage at home, you're not going to be as good on the road. Uh, and, and, but I also think, listen, Matt Stafford's a very good quarterback. He has gone against this defense for years. Uh, I, I still think he's very good, and he's got some receivers. I, I think I always underestimate how good uh, Marvin Jones Jr. was. He, he's really good, and, and, and he, he really took advantage of the Vikings yesterday. Uh, but this is, I think, a pretty good Detroit offense, and, uh, and the defense got you know lit up for some yards yesterday. But, but fortunately, this is one of those games where the offense did come through, uh, not just the running game, but the passing game, and, and you know bailed out the defense. It's, it's so, it's so often the other way around where the defense is playing better and the offense needs to pick it up and this was the other way around and so it's it's nice to see that and and that's uh you know at the end of the day they gave up enough points and they made some key plays at the key times uh that to uh, to keep the chart out of the end zone and and uh give up a lot of yards but but at the end of the day it was you know, obviously uh they did a nice job at the key moments to um to keep them out of the end zone and, and win the game yeah in the second half for sure they played much better um and Everson Griffin and Daniel Hunter are playing as well as any defensive ends in the NFL uh, right now. And so they're able to create pressure using four. Uh, Every time they seem to have Eric Kendrick's blitz, he's had success. He rushed after the passer 
nine times and got five pressures yesterday, which is pretty unusually high numbers. Usually if you get two out of ten or three out of ten, you're doing really well. So five out of nine is, is really good. And that tells you a little bit about how good Mike Zimmer is at dialing up pressures. But I think yesterday was great evidence that even if you are able to pressure the quarterback, if you can't cover anybody, you've got problems. And this week against Washington, I don't think they're going to have too many problems. But going forward, even against Matt Moore and KC and against Dallas and against Seattle and against Detroit again and Green Bay, there are going to be players that are not super easy to cover. And I would so, are you, Devontae, so are you saying we should have the Vikings given up two first-round draft picks uh, for Jalen Ramsey? Mm, two is a lot. I, I will say I think I, I think it's way too much. But I will say this. In this defense, man-to-man coverage corners are so important. Yeah. It's why he drafted these guys all in the first round. And they they need to play better. Hughes did not play his best game yesterday. Uh, and obviously, Waynes was probably the worst of the three as far as you know, just straight up man to man and getting beat. But this is a good offense. Uh, I will say it's a good Detroit offense playing at home. You know that they're sixth in the league in passing offense. So you know Stafford's a good again a good quarterback, and I'm sure felt pretty comfortable going against all the look this defense gives. He probably felt pretty comfortable in it because he's seen it now for you know what the probably the tenth, twelfth time yes, going times. against Mike Zimmer, and that, that's. That's a huge advantage for an, for a quarterback. Yeah, and I, I agree. It's just when you have one corner in Xavier Rhodes, who we've been talking about falling off, and with Trey Wayans, he's never been a shutdown corner himself. They have good cornerback depth here, but the starters are going to have to play much better than they did yesterday, or there's going to continue to be some issues at times, some weaknesses that get shown in the defense, because I think what we find now when teams are passing as much as they are, that corners are your top thing that's going to determine how you perform against the pass. Even if you are able to get pressure, the Vikings did yesterday, and still Matt Stafford was able to light them up. Well, and, and one of the sacks, I believe it was a Daniel Hunter sack, was really a, a coverage sack. Stafford took two or three hitches in the pocket, nobody was there, and, and Daniel got there. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, it's the the DBs sometimes are only as good as the defensive ends. It's sort of like sometimes a quarterback is only as good as the offensive line. Well, you know they need to have those guys getting more pressure. And again, it's it's harder to get that type of pressure to jump the count uh, on the road. Uh, the, you know because it's a quieter you know situation. So it's uh, you know they don't you don't have the uh, the crowd noise as you have at U.S. Bank Stadium. So it makes sense that you know the the defensive line probably not quite as dominant yesterday. Which then has an effect on on those defensive backs. So again, all three of those guys need to play better. Mackenzie Alexander, by the way, playing solid football too. Not perfect, uh, but for that sort of third guy who's in the slot a lot of times, mm-hmm. I think he's done, doing a nice job coming up and making a lot of tackles on the quicker stuff. Uh, he's he's doing a pretty nice job overall, and I don't want to you know leave him out. And it, again, it's, it's it wasn't a perfect game against it a good passing offense, but I like the way this defense has been playing you know overall throughout the year. Uh, and, and this back end has has I think played pretty well for the most part. Rhodes has been the consistent sort of offender, and, and it, I guess it was Wayne's turn this week. All right, Sage, on Wednesday we'll basically be in full game preview mode, and we have plenty of journeyman quarterbacks to talk about, including the likely starter, Case Keenum, on Wednesday. I I think that's a great idea. At some point this week, I would really love to talk about the, the amazing stats of Stephon Diggs and yards per catch. And it's something that we went over the last you know year or whatever, talking about that and how it was down. It was 10 last year, 18.7 this year. My guess wow. is probably top five, if not the highest in the NFL. I mean, he's only got 30 catches, where last year he had 102, but he's already got over half the yards 
from last year. So his yards per catch being way up. And to be honest with you, I'd rather have more receiving yards mm-hmm. than catches. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if that uh, continues the rest of the season. All right. We will discuss that on Wednesday. Thank you for your time, as always, Sage. Sounds good. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come right back. It'll be Judd Zolgad here in studio, and we will continue to discuss how much value we are putting in the last three games as we continue to figure out who the Minnesota Vikings are in 2019. We'll also discuss some of the things that happen around the league that could shape the NFC battles uh, as we go down the stretch here. Uh, Matthew Collar, Purple Daily, will be right back on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. You know, we missed a couple of the play actions in the first half. and Actually, in the second half, I felt pretty good about it. You know, we gave them the one field goal and then until they get the, the touchdown at the end. But we had to make some adjustments at halftime because uh, we weren't covering enough. And then, you know, at the end, the, the one drive that was, you know, they got the touchdown on and went for two, that was, uh, you know, we can play a lot better than that. That's Minnesota Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer. A huge win for the Vikings yesterday, 42-30, to winning with offense, something that we have not said that many times on the station, uh, at least since I moved here at the beginning of the 2016 season. And I don't think it was said that many times uh, even before that in the Mike Zimmer era. So um, I do want to talk more about that with you, Judd, because there's a thing that's just been sort of agitating me about how we analyze Kirk Cousins, where every week seems to be a referendum on is Kirk Cousins good? And the answer was never that Kirk Cousins was bad. And I think that there's either some confusion about how criticism works, that if there's anything that is not positive, and I put that in finger quotes because I don't even know what that means. I see I got to be positive. I got to be negative. I'm like, I don't know. Just say what you think. Okay. Well, yep. that's always an issue for me because I never even know. Like, I don't categorize things that I say into, well, let me come into the studio. Like, Mike Zimmer wants his run pass balance. Let me get eight positives and eight negatives or something. Or, or I, I don't weigh a ratio. We just talk about the game and we talk about what's going on at a given time. And whether you take it that way or not is kind of, I guess, your perception. Uh, but it has become frustrating to have every good game that Kirk Cousins plays. You have a bunch of people who are like, see, see, he was always great. And you haters were just mean to him. And then every bad game he has, you have a bunch of other people who go, see, see, you should have never believed in him. And Spielman should be fired and pushed off a high cliff, tumbling down to his death. Like, okay. Everybody is a little much on Kirk Cousins. Mm -hmm. I think when the Vikings got Kirk Cousins, they should have known, and if they didn't, then shame on them. And we definitely knew Mm -hmm. that this quarterback has a very specific set of strengths and a very specific Liam set Neeson. of weaknesses. He's Liam Neeson. That's what I was going for. I'm glad you got that. He's got a very specific set of skills. Yeah. And... Uh, If you maximize those skills, then he can save your daughter from terrorists. No, wait. He can throw it down the field and be successful. And if you don't, he will not be good and won't win a lot of games, right? Right. And throughout his career, what makes him fascinating is he has always been on teams that were imperfect. 
the Washington teams, even when he had great offensive weapons, they had terrible defenses and a terrible franchise. And then his last year in Washington, some of those things fell apart and he got worse. Last year, the Vikings didn't have the right system for him. They didn't have additional weapons like Irv Smith or B.C. Johnson or even Amir Abdullah. Like Even just guys who could kind of show up and make a play here or there. They didn't have that. C.J. Ham wasn't used very often last year. So now what you have is an advantageous schedule so far combined with the right process, combined with the right weapons for Kirk Cousins to be very good. Mm-hmm. And I think anyone with any reason in their brain would say, repeating this on a week-to-week basis, these Mahomes-like performances over the last three weeks, pretty unlikely. But let me give you one more thing before I'm I'm done sort of ranting about how it's just frustrating how we, we, we almost can't talk about anything else except for who was right, who was wrong. And it's just very boring to me just to, to say that. Sure. Uh, Kirk Cousins' grades from Pro Football Focus, the last four years, I'll give them to you. 2016, 80.6, 2017, 70, 2018, 79.3, 2019, 81.4. Three out of the last four years, he's basically the same exact guy. Okay. With some ups and some downs. He doesn't play to a certain level each week. He's got some good games. He's got some bad games. He's got some really good games. Some games against horrendous defenses, which, wow, the Lions are worse at defense than I thought they would be, are really, really good. And that's what Kirk Cousins is. And the big question is not whether he can light up great defenses, or or, I'm sorry, bad defenses, which he deserves a lot of credit for. A lot of credit. He was great yesterday. I mean, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I'm not going to say that he didn't do anything because I don't see everybody doing that. That's very good, yeah. But that's not the question that needs to be answered about Kirk Cousins. That's not the debate about Kirk Cousins. It's twofold. It's one, Mm -hmm. can he ever beat teams that matter Mm -hmm. in situations that matter? And two, was it worth it to pay him the amount that they paid him? Those are the big Kirk Cousins questions. It's not, can he beat the New York Giants? Which we don't know yet, yeah. Or Eagles, who now look, we'll talk about that in a bit. And... uh, and the Detroit Lions. Yeah. So I think we've got to just like well, decide where our debates and conversation is going to be with this quarterback because each week it becomes really like head spinning to see people on Twitter and Dick Vitale randomly got involved in this yesterday. Like, well, I don't see the haters now. Like, I don't know. Did Vikings fans ever hate Kirk Cousins or did they think, oh, this probably won't work out because we're the Vikings? And think, then it didn't for the first whole year and, and I, I four think it's weeks. That. Yeah. I think it's exactly that. I think it was a question of, and and you know what? Among the fans in this town, and, and this might be because the Vikings are so widely followed, Matthew, I will often say that, that they are the most rational because you do get a lot of, well, Cousins isn't good, but it's not, I hate Kirk Cousins. It's, and you know what? Through four games, there, there were question marks. I think the starting point, though, of what we've seen these past three games, and you're right, yesterday, that offense looked fan bleep fantastic. I think the starting point is not Kirk. I, I think the starting point is a conversation that you and I have been having probably since the day Kubiak walked in that door, which is the last three games have been the expectation of what we all thought was coming, right. which is this system's great for Kirk. Perfect for him. The yep. The analysis of 2018 to me was this. We signed a quarterback for a lot, and he should be a star. And if you put that on Kirk's back, guess what? Ain't going to work. We saw it. It didn't work. 
This is not to say that Kirk Cousins is a bad person. Don't know him as a guy. It is to say that if he is loaded up with expectations, it weighs him down. And I thought, going back to week four in Chicago, we saw a quarterback who looked mentally weighted down. We saw a receiver who was PO'd, probably rightfully so. The last three games, we have seen a sea change. And I don't think it starts with Kirk. I think it starts with with the boys who sit down on Tuesday and say, let's game plan. And that probably involves Kirk, but it also involves Kubiak and Stefanski. Listen, the MVP of these past three weeks might be Stefanski, who, by the way, what did we see? Why was Case Keenum so damn good? Yes, because he played well. I get that. But his play caller, Pat yep. Shermer, we, how many times did I look at you during the course of that year or vice versa in that press box and say, whoa, that play call was unbelievable. So I don't, I think we're putting too much of this now on, man, Kirk's done this. Hey, it's impressive. Great for Kirk. Happy for him personally. That's just awesome. But I think this really starts with, and I don't know if it was quickly triggered by Dig saying, See you guys later. I can't take this or what. But starting with that Giants game and now going Giants, Eagles, Detroit, we have seen an offense that was what our expectation was, which is you guys are going to install something that is Kirk-friendly, but it's also going to help Dalvin. It's going to help the tight ends eventually, right? It's going to help the receivers. This all makes sense now. And this this is the best trio of game plans play calling that we have seen since Pat Shermer walked out that door to go to the Giants after the 2017 season. I definitely had the Pat Shermer moment with the play on second and five, the play action and throw to Stephon Diggs, where it's like, okay, this man is in complete control at this moment. He's yeah. feeling it. This is a heat check. Like, am I, am I going to stay on fire? Yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> right? Watch me dial up this bomb to Stephon Diggs. And by the way, Throwing it deep to Stephon Diggs. Imagine. <laughs> yeah, it works. Imagine that. And, and guess what? Kirk can make those throws. Kirk's deep passes are really good. Like, it's a talent there. He's got it. They are now doing things for Kirk that you say, bingo, that makes sense. Right. Just like they did for Case. Pat did. How, how many times did Shermer call plays for Case? And as much as Zim might have sat there and been like, that was dangerous, don't know about that, we all thought, hell of a call. Yep. It, oh, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. It takes some balls. you got to have some yep. balls, right? You have to. He yeah. did. And, and in this case, Stefanski and Kubiak are doing the exact same thing, which, which really, to me, largely flies in the face of those first four games. Right, yeah. And uh, getting Kirk to throw it down the field, though, has taken having to design plays that would allow him the right read in the right circumstance where Cousins, and I thought he said something very interesting after the game. He said, well, you know, when the calls are coming in, I'm agreeing with them. Like, this is very typical of Kirk Cousins when he's not feeling it and he doesn't feel like you've dialed him up the right thing or when he doesn't see the read that he needs to see. It's not like he could pull the ball down like a Deshaun Watson or you know, even we saw Carson Wentz do that on a number of occasions. Not a good game for him last night. But uh, Wentz is another guy where you know the call might not be there, but he could pull it down, he can make a play and, and so forth. And that's just not something that we see from Cousins very often. The throws on the run, which he's very good at, are designed for him to run exactly to that spot. And 
he can do it with anybody. I mean, this is why I've thought of him as being so much like Jared Goff, where when Sean McVay was dialing him up exact spots to be, he could go to those spots and make the throws that he's asked to throw. But Cousins is smarter than Jared Goff, I think, as a dude. So he gets a little jumbled, I think, in questioning what he's told to do. He'll be like, oh, I I don't know if I want to do that. Is that the right call? I guess we'll see how it works out. Oh, there's double coverage there. I don't know if I want to take that risk. And in this case, they've done such a great job against very poor defenses of getting guys one-on-one and getting guys open. And now, if you try to guard Stephon Diggs with two guys, Zimmer mentioned this after the game yesterday, well, now Irv Smith is here. And that is a game-changer. Irv Smith is ripping off big plays so now. BC. And B.C. Johnson is a game-changer. This guy is good. Mm-hmm. And I, I wrote it a couple of weeks about how he came in and became a sponge, basically, to uh, Stephon Diggs and learned real quickly. And he's a very, very bright guy, which always seems to correlate to success at that position. If you're real smart, you're going to do well. And that's B.C. Johnson. So now, all of a sudden, we go from last year, Aldrick Robinson trying to come in and figure it out after like week three. Well, he doesn't know what he's doing, and he catches a couple balls. Laquan Treadwell, one of the worst NFL players I think I've ever covered, who like was, I don't know, paid or just got time out there and wasn't just a replacement guy who was signed off the street, but a first-round pick who cannot play. And they put him in there to block at this point. It's, you can always tell. I don't know if teams have picked up on this. Like you can always tell. Oh, Treadwell's in there. They are blocking. Yep, yeah. <laughs> they are running the football. Yep. Uh, so they go from playing him like 45, 50% of the snaps to now having and having no number two tight end at all last year behind Kyle Rudolph to now having these extra weapons to now having Delvin Cook healthy. And it's all coming together for Kevin Stefanski to have this palette of things to use. If there were one area and maybe there's a few, to sympathize with John D. Filippo. It was, well, we're not running the football well enough. Okay, well, your offensive line was really bad on the interior, so mm-hmm. good luck running the football with your offensive line being really bad on the interior. Mm-hmm. And also, you have no other weapons outside of Diggs and Thielen, so teams can focus on those guys. There, there was also, I thought, with John, an expectation that that we just signed a quarterback and he's being paid a lot, so go do it. Right. Where now there's a, oh, no, 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 the Kubiak system works. This is like after the Chicago game, the light finally clicked, right? Like you finally you finally said, okay, this starts to, to work, and they did different things. But again, how comfortable does Kirk look now? How comfortable? There, Kirk mean, the has never since he's been here. Yeah, Kirk, sure. Kirk has never had a span of games since joining this team last year where you said he's at ease completely. And that last game against the Bears, he looked like a guy who was miserable. Looked like a guy who couldn't stand his job. But these last three games now, it's all clicked. It's all um, if there can be such a term, Kirk friendly. And because of that, he's he is able to execute an offense that looks like it's designed for him, as opposed to saying, Kirk, here's my design. Go try and do this. Okay. Uh, I want to give you some Kirk Cousins criticisms, and I want you to tell me, still fair, wasn't fair, or we'll see. Okay. All right? So, uh, criticism number one, can't beat good teams, can't beat good defenses. We'll see. Criticism number two, doesn't have control of the team like isn't really the leader of the offense um actually in some ways i think that's very fair doesn't need to be as long as he's comfortable being him over 
paid, overrated, all those things, stealing the Vikings' money. I don't think that was ever true, but it's that's it's, probably not true. Because, definitely yeah, that probably goes too far. Now, let me offshoot of that mm-hmm. is wasn't worth the amount of money. Ooh. Can I wait to see the end, the end of the story? Because right well, now, that, that's the we'll see. I mean, that's that right that's now. Sort of the I'd point say of we'll the see, exercise. Yeah. Right now, it's a definite we'll see. It's it's. it's th- I mean, it's three really good games, but Matthew, it's three games. That's the thing is, it, I th- can't jump in the pool right now. Th- this is the I'm reason impressed. that I wanted to do this because I thought you know when I saw Dick Vitale of all people. Saying, yeah, what, what is you know, Dick Vitale? Why is he jumping getting involved? on the haters? Well, I have no clue. But he's in Tampa. I. I it, it's funny because it just seems to be this never-ending battle. And we really, I can't sit here and say, well, we'll check in uh, in 2020 at the end of that season and right. decide whether it worked out. But ultimately, that is kind of how it's going to go, is the criticisms that I think have always been fair when they've been brought up. When you lose to Chicago and score six points, you have receivers running open all over the field and mm-hmm. you check down to CJ Ham, mm-hmm. then you deserve to be criticized when you consistently cannot put together a good performance against a good defense. And when you consistently struggle on the national stage, which I don't expect he will on Thursday. Uh, but when that. <laughs> he would have to work on Thursday to do that. Yes, he would. But when that happens, yep. and then you get. A couple of good games where it's been against really, really bad defenses. Well, uh, I don't think that that debunks those criticisms. I think that those criticisms are still sort of jury is out with him in Minnesota. His history so far as a starting quarterback, all those things have very large sample sizes of happening. But he wouldn't be the first and only guy to have sample sizes of those things happening and then find the right offense and have that change. Can I I run something past you? Okay, so here's my theory, too. This is a really good team. All right? Like, we know that, right? Yep. Personnel-wise, this team's got... This this is not... This is not a fluky... Well, well, they turned out to stink. Okay. Here's my two cents here. And I don't know if it changed things ultimately as much as I probably think it might have. But after week four... Listen, Kirk is a gifted athlete, Okay. Mentally, he's a sort of an odd guy. He's also not the type of guy, I think, who goes in a locker room and says, I'm Kirk Cousins and you're following me. I think guys are like, no, no, no. But that doesn't mean he's not good. I think it's monumental. And at the time, I probably thought, well, that's not smart. But I think it's monumental now in retrospect that Stefan Diggs, incredibly smart dude, and and a guy who probably does lead in some ways. Stefan Diggs strikes me as being completely comfortable with whom he is, okay? Kirk's not, but Stefan is. And I think after week four, when Stefan said, this is BS, and he didn't say, I hate my quarterback. Like, if he had gone in and said, Cousins sucks, yeah. then it's a free-for-all. Yep. But he went in and said, what you're doing is flawed. And he probably went in, because he's pretty smart, and said, here's what you're doing wrong. Because it's not a coincidence that then the next game, and it's not that Diggs starred against the Giants, it's that they threw the ball. And that sort of started the ball r- rolling to where we ended up against Detroit yesterday. My point being is, I think this is also about people of importance emerging. And I think Stefan Diggs being a smart guy, being a guy with a voice, being a guy who is not scared, basically said, your system is really good, but it's so flawed. Because then, bang, it just changed. And Zimmer strikes me as the type of guy who might have said, damn it, he's right. And I know I know people think he's grump, but Mike's a guy who adapts. 
And I would yeah. not be surprised if Stefan said, you know what, Dalvin Cook is damn good, but what we're doing makes no damn sense. And if somebody said, you know what, okay. Because now it's gone to exactly the common sense offense that we all were expecting probably in week one. And yesterday was a great example of the pass sets up the run. Mm-hmm. In a successful offense consistently, it's the pass sets up the run. And when everyone is afraid of Delvin Cook, we really see it. The impact on tape of you know teams selling out to try and slow down Delvin. But he didn't dominate that game early. He dominated that game later. And that's what you have when you have a really good team and a really good running back. And the best example might be like 09 Vikings, where you could certainly finish any game you're ahead with Adrian Peterson, but Brett Favre is the one who's getting you ahead. Correct. And when you have this much talent, you should be getting ahead with the pass. And you know, to your point, I think that the frustration from everyone after week four was they know that they should be a Super Bowl contender with this roster. And here's one criticism that has turned out to just not be correct. And uh, I made this observation many times looking at their salary cap and saying, I just don't know how they're going to do it. I just don't know how they're going to keep their talent. And I'm sorry, Rob Brzezinski, for doubting you, but also, uh, you know, the draft as well. And that's luck a lot of ways, but they also had the right theory to go after Irv Smith. Alexander Madison's been good, but, you know, draft late wide receivers and see if one clicks. And they got lucky this year it did. Stacey Coley didn't, but BC Johnson did. You know, Coley a couple of years ago with the same sort of theory of drafting guys late. Um, so there's a little bit of luck that plays into it, but they have been able to build this roster despite Kirk's huge salary cap hit and maintain its level of quality across the board from now the weapons are better, the offensive line is better, the defense is just as good in terms of those players that were the key guys from 2017. I am surprised in a lot of ways that they've been able to do that. But that also means that the bar is set extremely high. Like this team came in with the bar set at NFC Championship. I don't know if ownership necessarily put it there, but I know the players did. And they all came back because they believed that this could be a Super Bowl team because they saw it before. And they see the talent of the quarterback is higher than it is of Case Keenum because they practice with the guy every day. And when it didn't go well in week four and they were a mediocre team through four weeks, I mean, I could totally see why people would start looking around and they would start using the word frustrated and they're apologizing to each other and skipping practice and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think that Diggs putting a foot in the ground, basically, or planting the flag of like, we're going to change this offense and we're going to throw to us and that's how we're going to win. I think that's going to be looked at possibly as the turning point moment, unless... They lose on Thursday or something, right? Then, then this conversation changes big time. So let's discuss that going forward. These next few games and what they mean. Really only one good team on the road in the next four, but there's opportunities for trap games. So let's discuss. And then I, I got to throw a few things and including some turbo snark out there as well. Uh, we'll discuss when we return. Matthew Collar, Judd Zogad on Purple Daily. Field, Alexander Madison feeling in motion. They fake the give to Madison. Cousins for the end zone. Is it caught? Yes, and what a catch by Adam Thielen, and what a throw by Kirk Cousins. They fake it to him, and they throw it out to the rookie, B.C. Johnson, and he is into the end zone with his first career touchdown. A big day for the Minnesota Vikings offense yesterday, over 500 yards. It felt like 1998 all over again. Kirk Cousins, 
Best three-game stretch ever in terms of quarterback rating. Best game by PFF in terms of his uh, overall grade. Best graded game from him uh, of his entire career. So I wrote a bunch of different stats that stuck out to me looking through today. If uh, you want to check that out at scorenorth.com. Matthew Collard, Judd Zolgad. Um, So we did this exercise before this week, and I think it's changed a little bit because the NFL will always be the NFL and uh, week-to-week league. I don't know if anyone's ever mentioned that to you, Judd. But uh, I want you to rank the top teams in the NFC again. Why don't you just give me your top six okay. teams in the NFC? Because you last it. week you had the Vikings at six. Yes. Okay. Number one stays the same, Saints. Man. And your guy, Teddy. What a win. That's a hell of a win. Five and oh. Do you do you think that Mikey didn't tear up a little bit? I mean, when he watched that. But here's the thing about that win: just a little tear. When Teddy rolls out to his left and flings the ball thirty yards down the field over two defenders to Michael Thomas, like, yeah, this ain't no backup quarterback. Yep, yep, that is Teddy Bridgewater playing like old Teddy Bridgewater. And at one point on a third and five, he took off. And he did a juke move, and he got hit from behind, and he just got forward enough for the first down. And he got up like, are the knees still there? And yep, the knees are still there. Do you realize what a great story, too, this qualifies as? Unreal. His leg blew up. Yeah. Like, this was not a, oh, my ACL tore, and I'll rehab it and be back. He had teammates crying. Another guy who had the same injury was that tight end from Chicago, and he's never going to play again. Right. No, no, no. He's done. Number two. Five and oh. Same. Yep. Number two. 49ers, 6-0 and now. Yeah. Of course, they, they beat Washington, and Washington's a cluster bleep, but they are still number two on my list. What a fun game, though. I wish I was there. Like, oh, and guys going... Guys sliding across guys the sliding. field and stuff? That was, that was fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, that's football. Number three, moving up one spot, because I've got them jumping the... Uh, I've got them jumping the Seattle Seahawks, the Green Bay Packers at 6-1. and one. This is very close now. Wow. Then number four... The Vikings. Okay, so you got the Packers over the Vikings. I do for now. I do for now, yes. Now, what is but that it's based very, on? It's very, very close. Give, give, based me, on, give based me your on, thinking. Based on records, based on quarterback play, and based on, on the fact that in Week 2, the Packers won. And the Vikings had every chance to come back yep. and win that game. Yep. So, But it's very close. So Saints 49ers, Packers Vikings, that's four. Seattle at 5-2. and two. And then, and then this is based on the Jalen Ramsey trade because this is this is gutsy of me at number six. Oh, the Rams. I think the Rams might be coming back now. Yeah, that trade. I was just thinking about that. This. That trade changes the defensive dynamic yep. of that team massively. I, I was thinking about this today. Massively. When I was looking at the standings. Yep. And I thought, you know, who should be really nervous here is the Seattle Seahawks. Mm-hmm. And every team that's going to be fighting for a wild card position, including the Minnesota Vikings, because the Rams had some low moments, but they still have one of the best coaches in the NFL. They still have weapons. They still have a quarterback that was in the Super Bowl. Sometimes, like, you guys treat Jared Goff like he's this fool or something. Like, he's in the Super Bowl last year, running the number one and number two offenses in the NFL the two years before. The guy's not garbage. Um, things haven't gone his way as much this year, but you got to figure McVay can get something figured out. Like, you know, an Andy Reid. I, I, I'm close to putting him up in that conversation of those offensive guys, Kyle Shanahan, who are going to figure it out even when they have 
um, adversity or troubles or whatever else. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, not a great quarterback, but Kyle Shanahan figures out a lot of ways to help him. Really good play caller, yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, So getting Ramsey is such a game changer for them that they could end up being better than the Seattle Seahawks. And I mean, even Arizona, by the way. And, and you know, they've played and beat some bad teams, too. But Arizona is sort of sneaky dangerous there because their guy, Cliff Kingsbury, has come up with some pretty clever offensive things to do with Kyler Murray in his first year. Um, but I'm not I'm not disagreeing with that. The Rams with Jalen Ramsey are a much better team on defense because Wade Phillips relies a lot on that man coverage. And it just takes one. One shutdown guy that good. It it really is a domino entire, effect. Entire defense instantly. And uh, so you had uh, wait, who was number six? Rams. Okay, the Rams so were. Six. I went Saints, Knackers, Vikings, Seahawks, and they might be falling quickly. And then Rams. I don't. I'm not sure. I'm not sure on. The I can't. T- I. You know what? Every Wilson time is so good. Every but time just had a bad day yesterday. And every time I think they're in trouble, they're not. When you it's have been that about three of years of me saying, yep. I think Seattle's going to fall off. Yes. Pete Carroll's lost his fastball. Yep. And, and every single time, Russell Wilson pulls out like two or three games just by himself. That is a, a winnable game, though, for the Vikings when they go out there. Uh, because that defense is um, not exactly what it used to be. What what about Dallas's win last night? Impressed or not? I mean, they really kicked the crap out of the Eagles, though. A mildly, but I'm go. But Philadelphia, man, I mess. I I was impressed here when the Vikings beat them a week ago Sunday. So I will give the Vikings that. But I guess I have a very simple question about the Eagles. What's going on with Doug Peterson? Hmm. Genius play caller yeah. or guy who's prone to have brain farts? I think they're asking there in Philly today. Like, was it Frank Reich? Look at what Frank Reich is doing in Indianapolis. Two coaches I'm questioning big time today. Nagy Peterson. Nagy, absolutely. And Nagy, what are you doing? Absolutely. Calling out the media. I know. And now saying, I'm not you an idiot. This, I know. Though. You called this. You know what Nagy. he is? Closer to Childress than Reed. Yeah. He's closer to being Brad than Andy. Yep. You called this with the stuff with the kickers where it felt like he was freaking out. Yeah. And we we have like um you know how dogs can hear your car coming down the street, and they get up and they the ears perk That's up. Stella often does that. Yeah. My my greyhound has these big ears that sit on the side of her head, but when something oh. comes up, they pop up. Oh yeah, that's and cool. yeah, it's like an elephant. Love the dogs. They just sort of come up. Love the dogs. And uh, so she'll when she thinks you're going to take her out or something, the, the you know the ears in her head. Oh yeah, that's us when we sense panicking coaches. Like we we can <laughs> we can smell it right. Like we can hear it from down the street. We know it from miles away because well, we've seen it and so many times before. You're right, Matt Nagy, and bringing in thirteen hundred different kickers, bringing him in off the street and everything else, and then having everybody do Augusta silence. Which when's the last time a football or showing your had team the, the double then, doink consistently? Right, like just that a game? bunch of stuff Get that made of that no game. sense. And then I'll tell you, even early in the first game. I saw Cordero Patterson run an out route, and I was like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> and yesterday, the same thing happened where they tried to throw like a regular like dig or something to Patterson. It's like, you did you not watch what Belichick did with this man last year? Right. He, he used him perfectly. Just gave him the ball, used him as a running back. Like, you can't even use Cordero Patterson right. And, and then I will also say, too, that Mitch Trubisky is garbage. And when your offense starts to get figured out, you need your quarterback to do some special things. That guy doesn't do anything special. 
And last year, it just became more and more obvious that their defense getting all those turnovers helped them produce a lot more points than they were actually worth. And we called that, too. Absolutely, that they wouldn't be able to do it again. And then, lo and behold, they're healthy all last year. And then, whoop, Akeem Hicks is hurt. They're not exactly the same. And that's just how the NFL works a lot of times. So Chicago, to me, is just out of this conversation. Yep. With Green Bay and Minnesota way ahead of Chicago, forget about them. Detroit is done after yesterday, too. I just don't see either one of those teams being competitive. They could both win against the Vikings when they come here, but I I don't think that they are um, in this conversation for the playoffs. Dallas, of course, is going to win the NFC East easily, I think, if Philadelphia doesn't get it turned around fast, but them not trading for Jalen Ramsey, and now all of a sudden some rumblings inside the locker room, questioning the front office, And guys aren't showing up on time? That's the beginning of a problem. Changes fast. Now, let me give you the team that is hardest to figure out here for how good they actually are. The Carolina Panthers. They've got a point differential of plus 33, which is pretty solid. Uh, The Vikings... Plus 69 today, Judd. Uh, <clears throat> why Why can't it be plus 68? Why can't it be plus 70? Plus why? Why does it have to be? Why? Uh, so, but you have the the Vikings are there. San Francisco's number one at plus 92. Uh, Green Bay is actually less than the Vikings, plus 45. Dallas, plus 66. And then Carolina is just above uh, New Orleans in terms of their point differential. Kyle Allen can't ever really believe in the backup quarterbacks until they show you in big samples, but they're kind of the sneaky team that could hang around and be a little bit of a pain as we go down the stretch in terms of this race in the NFC. And I think Mm -hmm. what we're going to end up with here, Judd, is like in Major League Baseball, where winning 100 games this year didn't mean that much because there were so many atrocious teams, I think winning 10 doesn't necessarily guarantee the Vikings a playoff spot. What is the uh, National Football League equivalent of the American League Central? The East? Oh, it's the East. Oh, my gosh. It's just the, the East, Giants and Washington. And I, would, I would love for a, a playoff seeding system to eliminate that division altogether. I'd love to get them out. I haven't decided on Dallas yet. I don't want to call Dallas a complete fraud because they had some I just don't like them that much. <laughs> I don't like them. Yeah, no, I don't think they're enough. awful. I just don't like fair, them that Fair much. enough. And I don't believe in in uh, Jason Garrett as some great coach either. It's just, you know, they had a couple of down games. One of them against New Orleans, which was in New Orleans. So that's always hard. Yeah. Uh, and then against the Jets, they probably should have won that game. That's a terrible loss. But it's a terrible loss for sure. And the Packers loss came at home. Still, Packers, the Packers, are, Packers yeah. are good. Uh, so two of the three losses are against the two other best teams in the NFC. And so, okay, maybe a little overreaction to that. They lost by two to the Jets. Not a good loss for sure, but by two on the road. Mm-hmm. I think Dallas can still play. I think they're they're in this conversation as a good team. But they're going to run away with that division, I think. And then you end up with the Vikings battling with the Packers for the division. Yep. Then with Carolina, Seattle, L.A., pretty much. San, yep. San Francisco's not losing that division, yep. I don't think. Okay, fair enough. New Orleans is definitely not losing their division. No, they're not. So your teams that That's you're watching fair. are really, we're not even halfway into the season, and your teams that you're watching are cut down to only a couple. Here's the intriguing thing about the Packers, though. They have played so many home games, they've got to travel second half all the time. Advantage of Vikings there. I'm looking this. Green Bay this right is now. Green Bay has played, and I don't know how the schedule people did this, a ridiculous amount of home games so far. 
and it's about to get basically road, 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 road. Wow, this is crazy, and this is not easy either. This is actually a really tough schedule for the Packers. This opens the door completely for the Vikings to win the division, even though the Vikings have some tough times too. At Kansas City, they can win. At L.A., of course, the Chargers, they can win. Home against Carolina, but then at San Francisco, yep. at New York, they can win. At Minnesota, at Detroit, at the end of their schedule, so it's not easy. Certainly not impossible, but those the game against Carolina and San Francisco will be kind of the Vikings version of at Dallas and at Seattle, and they can win the rest of the way. I just think it. Remember that year where the Vikings. Or not the Vikings, uh, the Patriots with Matt Castle missed the playoffs and they went eleven and five. Yes, it was like what the hell? How does a team? Mi-? We might be in that situation here that a team could possibly be eleven and five and miss the playoffs because of this bumble bleep that they have here of a of a way that they set. That's playoffs. what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, imagine seedings. Imagine this. Imagine this scenario, which is totally possible. The Vikings go eleven and five, rank in the top seven in offense. Still a good defense. They've got some really good wins on their schedule. Yep. And they miss because Seattle goes 12 and 4 or something. And the Saints win their division, 49ers win their division, and then the Packers go 12 and 4. I mean, that that is totally possible. Boy, that would be awful. Contract ex- extensions for Zim and Spielman still then? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, they'd be if you go 11 fine. and 5 and miss the playoffs, yeah. that's not on you. It's not your fault. Well, it sort of is. All Packers right. game. Let's take a break. I got Turbo Snark. We Week two, though, it. comes back and bites oh, you absolutely. right in the butt then, absolutely. by the way. And I, and we will discuss that, and people will so say, you shouldn't talk about that, and I'm going to tell you right now, it's fair game. Turbo Snark. When we come back, listen to Purple Daily on Score North. Jonathan here with the Score North download, brought to you by the 2020 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show. The Score North Podcast Network consists of more than a dozen shows, from the Score North Twin Show and Raised by Wolves, to the scoop with Doogie and Royce Unchained, you can find a full list of these Minnesota sports podcasts over at scorenorth.com and the free Score North mobile app or search Score North, S-K-O-R North, anywhere you find your podcast. And the Vikings, with their game on Thursday, released their first injury report of the week. Now, they didn't practice today, so it's just an estimation of what the practice would have looked like had they had the team practiced. Adam Thielen, obviously hamstring injury there. Did, would not have practiced today. Everson Griffin and Linval Joseph also would not have practiced under the limited category would be Xavier Rhodes with a hip injury. Again, estimation had the Vikings practice today, but with the game yesterday, the game on Thursday, the team did not practice today. That's been your score North Donald. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. Um, kind of under the captain obvious of Adam Thielen shouldn't play against Washington. Uh, Tom Pelissero reported it's unlikely that he's going to play. They do not need him to win this football game. Washington is terrible. And BC is very good. And uh, I would like to say you're all welcome. For a couple weeks ago, I wrote about how smart BC is, and that's why he's going to be able to emerge. And just check out that free app. You wrote it, and he became really smart, (laughs) and then it all sort of came together. No, I I think it was more uh, that um, they have a, a good way of finding guys like him. That they have a mix in the draft between yes, you're right. guys with limited ceilings but are very smart and hardworking and all those things. BC Johnson is everything to a T. And then they take some shots on guys like Dylan Mitchell, who did not work out. 
in fact, uh, I guess they're going to move up Davion Davis, which is even more evidence that Adam Thielen is not going to play. Um, so they take some shots and they try to get some guys that have a high percentage chance of working out to be a role player, and that's what BC Johnson is. And he picked up the offense pretty fast and has done a nice job. What's the line be- between for, for that position, Matthew? What's the line between actual talent and smarts? Because, you know, Laquan Treadwell obviously at one time had something going for him. Yeah. And that's a first-round pick who was a complete bust. So what? what is the Diggs-BC Johnson? You're going to fall because of something, but your smarts are so high. Your, yeah. your, your sports IQ is so high that you're not only going to be fine, you're actually going to be pretty good. So the thing with Diggs is that he is a top athlete. Like, he is a 4-4 runner with, a, you know, great hands enormous hands actually which does surprisingly it sounds ridiculous but it does equate to uh drop rates and things like that i mean just more surface area on the football and it's not super easy to catch a ball coming at you from 50 yards away uh but anyway um so Diggs was a five-star recruit coming out of high school he has all of the physical attributes and it was just some other things especially his injury history, his size. He was looked at as a slot receiver, which couldn't be more wrong, by the way. He's a great outside wide receiver um, that, you know, have played in his favor, that combination to become an elite receiver. BC Johnson does not have those athletic traits that Stefan Diggs does, but he's got a lot of the other things. He's got the motivation. And when I talked to him, he said pretty much in training camp, he just locked it down in the hotel room and studied and studied and studied. And he said, and this all... Surprisingly, this always correlates almost to guys having success or at least finding a role, which is he took the plays that he didn't understand and he drew them out himself. Just like putting in that type of work. Like if he didn't get it right away, he would draw it out and he would draw it out and he would know by the end of that exactly what his role was. And you notice a lot of the catches are he's running free. And it's not always that he juked somebody's face off or something. It's a lot of times you're in the right spot and and that's why... Gary Kubiak's drawing you up this scheme, and that's the hardest part, getting lined up right. Did you hear the backhanded compliment from Cousins saying, well, you know, Treadwell got out there in a couple plays and lined up right. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're the guy that threw to him last year, so. All right, Jonathan, we got, we got some turbo snark here. We got like a minute and a half left, and I got a couple to run through. Mostly two. Okay, let me just start out with this. Boy, that Lamar Jackson. Good thing that uh, wasn't a running back, eh? This, uh, oh, uh, you know, he didn't run the 40 at the combine. Gosh, what was he thinking? I'm surprised he's fast. Did anyone know he's fast when he didn't run the 40 at the combine? Like, can you be fast if you didn't run the 40 at the combine? Oh, his mom's his agent. Major problem. I mean, oh, gosh, his mom. Uh, she's probably just telling him all the wrong things to do. Lamar, I don't even know what to do out there. Do I run the 40, Mom? No. Oh, no, I won't get drafted high. Even the Ravens, they picked a stupid tight end that sucks instead of this guy and then got lucky that everyone else was stupid. Lamar Jackson, really good at football, always was, should have been one of the top three or four picks in the NFL draft. Explosive, dynamic, unbelievably good college quarterback who came from an NFL system that asked him to go through the reads and make throws, and here he is beating Seattle on the road over Russell Wilson. Um and once again, John Harbaugh and the Ravens are very good, and it shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone. Perfect organization for Lamar Jackson to fall. And how about a little Teddy Bridgewater? Five and frickin' oh. 
5-0. and I took so much crap from people over the years about his 14 stupid touchdowns that I almost lost my mind. I spent, I don't know how much time researching Teddy Bridgewater's background and talking to people, dozens of players. I talked to a sports psychologist about Teddy once for, for a story. His former coaches and everybody to a T said, you know what, this guy is going to come back and he's going to surprise everybody. And even me, very skeptical, I said, you know, I don't know. I mean, this right. is that injury is so terrible. But all those ex-players, everybody who knew him, telling him the truth. He is a really, really good NFL quarterback. And to do it without Elvin Kamara yesterday at Soldier Field, you didn't see him looking shaken, pressured, like it was too much for him. I don't know you? who you're referring to. I don't think so. Mm-mm. Nope. Turbo, going well turbo snark. Aggressive turbo, turbo oh, snark. Woo! <laughs> All right, Mackie and Judd, feel free to to borrow it. Mackie and Judd with Rami is coming up next. Uh, It'll be a fun week this week. Short, short week. Vikings play on Thursday, so it'll be great. We'll see you tomorrow. This holiday, whether you're making a Fred Meyer Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Fred Meyer has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Already? I'll be right there. It's happening. Take I-5 South. You are on the fastest route. Mom says, OMG, I'll let everyone know. You have arrived. Honey, I'm, I'm right here. She's doing great. We're almost there. She's perfect. Hey, baby girl. The whole world can't wait to meet you. Live larger with more coverage. Share your news, big and small, on AT&T, the network that now covers more than 99% of Oregonians. Visit your AT&T store to learn more. Coverage isn't available everywhere based on third-party data.